This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. So, what's on our plate today? Today we are sharing the story of pumpkins. Halloween and Thanksgiving, it's pretty hard not to think about pumpkins, as they practically go hand-in-hand with these holidays in America. Pumpkins are one of America's oldest native crops. But before pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin pie, and other baked goodies, pumpkins themselves were not always so popular, or so tasty. But let's start with the basics. The word pumpkin originated from the Greek word pepon, P-E-P-O-N, which means large melon. The word morphed by the French into pompon, which the English changed to pumpion, and finally the Americans made it the word we know today, pumpkin. References to pumpkins date back many centuries. Shakespeare referenced them in his Merry Wives of Windsor, and the pumpkin is referred to in such famous tales as The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Cinderella. Pumpkins are part of a large family of closely related squashes. In that family are also gourds, soft-skin squash varieties like zucchini and summer squash, melons, and even cucumbers. The word pumpkin probably makes you think of the standard carve-ready variety, the large, round, orange fruit. But really, any hard-skin squash could be called a pumpkin. There's no botanical distinction that makes a pumpkin a pumpkin. But it sure is a more catchy and intriguing name than just hard-skinned winter squash. In fact, in many countries like Australia, New Zealand, and much of Asia— any thick-skinned winter squash is called a pumpkin, whereas in the United States, it is mostly the orange and ribbed varieties that wield the pumpkin name. So let's keep it simple. Pumpkin is a type of squash, and the word squash generally refers to four species of the genus Cucurbita, including the species that the pumpkin belongs to. Here in the United States, and also in Canada, we usually break down the squash family into winter or summer squash, depending on when they are harvested. Pumpkins are considered fruits. The plants produce the fruits along vines, and they have both male and female flowers on them. Though we primarily think of pumpkins as being orange, they also come in green, yellow, red, white, blue, and tan. They can also come in many shapes and sizes. Some are flat, others are bumpy. Some are small, less than two pounds. Some are ginormous, weighing upwards of a thousand pounds. Historically, those larger pumpkins were used for livestock feed. Pumpkins grow abundantly throughout the Western Hemisphere, and were in fact first found in the Americas, primarily in Central America and Mexico, where the oldest evidence of pumpkin seeds dates back between 7,000 and 5,500 BCE. Archaeologists discovered the oldest domesticated pumpkin seeds in the Oaxaca Highlands of Mexico. The first pumpkins are believed to have been more of the crooked neck variety, rather than the bright orange, creased round ones you see in markets today, and they were small, hard, and relatively bitter. This is perhaps why ancient cultures only ate the pumpkin seeds, as the flesh of most wild pumpkins was too bitter until cultivation. Once the pumpkin was grown out enough to make a palatable variety, Native Americans began to consume every part of the plant, from seeds and flesh to flowers and leaves. 
pumpkins were among the first crops grown for human consumption in North America. With their hard, thick exteriors, pumpkins proved ideal for surviving in storage during the winter and in times of scarcity. Native Americans would cut pumpkins into long strips and dry them to make a preserved, jerky-like snack, or they'd roast them over a fire. Pumpkins would also be cut up and boiled or added to soup, as well as the blossoms. They dried pumpkin shells for use as water vessels, bowls, and storing grains and beans, and even wove dried strips of pumpkin into mats for trading purposes. Many archaeologists also believe that pumpkins were first farmed with sunflowers and beans, long before the arrival of corn. Once corn was introduced, ancient farmers learned to grow squash with corn and beans in what became known as the Three Sisters tradition. The Three Sisters are, as you may have guessed, pumpkin, or squash in general, corn, and beans, the three of which have a symbiotic relationship that improves the yield of all three crops. The corn supports the bean vines, the bean roots provide nitrogen to the soil, and the big pumpkin leaves shade the shallow roots of the corn, locking in moisture and discouraging the growth of weeds. Native Americans spread pumpkin seeds into other parts of North America, and seafaring explorers brought the fruit back to their home countries, as it stored so well and was perfect for travel. Columbus took pumpkin seeds back to Europe in the late 1490s, and Jacques Cartier, a French explorer, took pumpkins from what is now part of Canada in 1584. The arrival of Columbus in the 1490s kicked off an exchange of food and livestock. Over the years that followed, Europeans introduced livestock and many food items to the New World, and in turn, they took pumpkins, corn, tomatoes, peppers, pineapples, and many other items back to Europe and Africa. However, Columbus did not have much luck growing pumpkins back in Europe, and the fruit was not widely embraced. Pumpkins were used primarily to feed livestock, though some upper-class English gardeners grew them as a curiosity. However, the fruit quickly acquired the reputation of being poor men's fare. Native Americans introduced pumpkins and squashes to the pilgrims, presenting them as gifts to the first settlers, and teaching them the many uses for the pumpkin. Historians think that the settlers were not very impressed by the fruit, until they had to survive their first harsh winter, when about half of the settlers died from scurvy and exposure. In early colonies, pumpkin shells were used as a template for haircuts, perhaps the original bowl cut. As a result of this practice, New Englanders were sometimes nicknamed pumpkinheads. The pilgrims were also known to make pumpkin beer. They would ferment a combination of persimmons, hops, maple sugar, and pumpkin to make this colonial pumpkin potion. However, many colonial American settlers followed their European counterparts' opinion of the fruit, using it as a last resort when yeast for beers was unavailable. So while seasonal pumpkin ale is considered a treat today, back then it was thought of as a cheap substitute. The negative stigma of the pumpkin even led to phrases like pumpkin eater or pumpkin roller, used as a derogatory term for poor ignorant farmers. Still, because pumpkins were so prolific and easily stored, even those who looked down on the food would stash them away for emergencies, and during westward expansion later on, people would take pumpkin seeds with them on their journeys as a nutritious snack. Pumpkins fed livestock as well as people. Plantation owners like Washington and Thomas Jefferson raised fields of them for winter fodder for their animals. Farmers in the 18th and 19th centuries grew pumpkins that were sweet and flavorful, but the fruit's importance slowly diminished, and the pumpkins became a minor crop until after World War II when nostalgia for an agricultural way of life brought the pumpkin back into favor. People stopped seeing it as something to feed livestock and instead saw it as a valuable retail product. 
Such enthusiasm for pumpkins encouraged pumpkin stands, pick-your-own pumpkin patches, and seasonal pumpkin-themed festivals, and it actually helped to save many small farms from foreclosure. It wasn't until the early 1970s that farmers began to develop hybrids that were good for carving, but not so much for eating. Size, shape, durability, and a thick stem became the desired features, while flavor took the back burner. The Howden pumpkin strain, developed by farmer Jack Howden, is considered the original commercial jack-o'-lantern pumpkin that defined the look of the ideal Halloween pumpkin. So where did the tradition come from anyway, carving jack-o'-lanterns? Well, it stemmed from an Irish folktale that started in the 17th century. A man known as Stingy Jack managed to trick the devil, twice, and made the devil promise not to take his soul. Jack was a dishonest man, and so when he eventually died, he couldn't make it into heaven, but the devil didn't want him in hell either. So the devil banished Jack to live in purgatory with nothing but a burning coal. Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip, and as legend has it, he is cursed to wander the earth forever. He became known as Jack of the Lantern, or Jack-o'-Lantern for short. The original idea of the Jack-o'-Lantern was to scare away evil spirits. The Irish would set the carved turnips by their doors and windows in hopes that they would protect them. Well, when the Irish immigrated to the United States, they brought the tradition of making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween with them. However, they discovered that pumpkins were more readily available and made better jack-o'-lanterns than turnips, and candles eventually replaced the burning coals. Today in the United States, the classification of a traditional jack-o'-lantern refers to a variety of pumpkin grown for its suitability for carving. These varieties are fairly large in size, have upright strong walls, and, most importantly, a large hollow cavity. Today, pumpkins are grown on all of the continents except Antarctica, and they are still commonly found in local markets in their home country, Mexico. There, the pulp appears in many savory dishes, like moles and tamales, and the seeds are often thrown on the griddle and salted for a tasty snack. Pumpkins are even crystallized into hyper-sweet, waxy confections that are artfully displayed in traditional candy store windows throughout Mexico City. Mexicans have cooked with the entire pumpkin for thousands of years. The Aztecs enjoyed the seeds, and the Mayans utilized the entire fruit, cooking the pumpkin flesh into sauces, toasting the seeds, and carving the rinds into drinking bowls. When the Spaniards came to the Yucatan, they were served a classic Mayan dish called papazules, or food for the lords, made of corn tortillas dipped in a pumpkin seed sauce. An authentic dessert dish traditionally found at Day of the Dead festivals is called calabaza and tacha, candied pumpkin. The preparation starts with a pot of pumpkin and unrefined cane sugar, which is reduced into syrup. Guava and cinnamon sticks are added, and it's all left to simmer so that the spiced syrup can slowly soak into the pumpkin flesh. One of the largest pumpkin festivals in the United States takes place in Circleville, Ohio, home to the Circleville Pumpkin Show. The town was once the location of a large canning factory that regularly processed pumpkin products. During the fall season, farmers would fill their wagons with pumpkins and head to the cannery to have them processed and canned. In 1903, the mayor started an autumn produce festival, and pumpkins became the centerpiece of the event. The canning company shut down during the Great Depression, but the festival continues to this day on the third Wednesday of October each year. Speaking of good pumpkin traditions, we can't talk about pumpkins without talking about pie. After all, one of the most popular ways to prepare pumpkins is undoubtedly pumpkin pie. When we picture early Thanksgiving feasts in the colonies, we usually think of a pilgrim woman holding a pumpkin pie 
with a perfectly pleated crest. But that's not exactly how it originated. The pilgrims would slice off the pumpkin top, scoop out the seeds, and fill the inside with cream, honey, and spices. They'd replace the top, carefully burying it in hot ashes to bake. When it was ready, the contents, including the cooked flesh on the sides of the shell, were scooped out and eaten much like custard. This is what developed into pumpkin pie a few decades after the first Thanksgiving in America, with pumpkin pie-like recipes popping up in French and English cookbooks in the mid-1600s, though it is said that the trend of serving sweetened pumpkin dishes during the holiday meal really took off in America in the 1800s. Pumpkins are low in fat, calories, and sodium, and they are high in fiber. They are a good source of vitamin A, vitamin B, potassium, protein, and iron. This nutritious and versatile plant features flowers, seeds, and flesh that are all edible and rich in vitamins. Pumpkin is used to make soups, breads, cakes, cookies, pie, and other dishes like pumpkin ravioli. There are about 500 seeds in a pumpkin that can be roasted or dried for eating. Even pumpkin blossoms can be used in recipes. Pumpkin seeds should be planted at the end of spring. They take about 90 to 120 days to grow and are harvested in the fall. Their seeds can be saved to grow new pumpkins the following year, so hang on to any of them that you don't roast and eat right away. If you want to learn more about the many wonderful types of pumpkins, and other squashes for that matter, but you just can't manage a trip to the pumpkin's home in Mexico or Ohio's pumpkin show, just download the Specialty Produce app. You'll have the world of produce at your fingertips, ready for exploration. Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specialty Produce App on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. As always, you can find more information, recipe ideas, and spots of local produce on the Specialty Produce app. Tune in next time for more food fables. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.